listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 155 of the Testudo Times Podcast where our school has a coach that does not know the difference between Philadelphia and New York. Does your school have that? I don't think so. It's uh it's impressive. It's honestly like I'm honored to to have that on our on our staff. I can't believe reading that story. This is Mike Miller. Like the, the university I life. attend is uh, is paying a man who was driving past who thought he was driving past Philadelphia on the New Jersey Turnpike, called his wife only to be informed he was in New York City. Reading that sentence, as somebody who is a Philadelphia native, yes, I'm from South Jersey, but it's basically Philadelphia, and whose family is basically all from New York, so maybe I'm not the right person to say this, but I don't know how you screw that up. It is hard to do. Just, like, you, you go through the school system. You go through, like, a lot of things. Maybe it's different in the South. Maybe they don't teach it. They just teach, like, uh, Alabama history or whatever, but, like, I feel like you would have picked up on the difference at some point. Like, seriously, the Statue of Liberty is not in Philadelphia. I, I, I don't know what else to say about that other than I don't know how somebody could be that wrong. And I hope Mike Miller is an amazing football coach. So we forget about this. But I'm sorry. He doesn't know the difference between Philadelphia and New York. That's a huge problem. Now I can Well, he knows you, it now. Well, now he does because his, his Twitter account probably got destroyed by people saying that. Because remember, if you went to Maryland, you're either from Maryland or you're from New York. There's no in-between, unless you're me. So, it's A lot still, of South Jersey kids. I, some, but not as many as you would think. But more North Jersey kids who don't want to go to Rutgers and feel like Rutgers is, a, is an indignity. Yes, another Rutgers joke on this podcast. But I can tell you the differences on the New Jersey turnpikes between South Jersey and North Jersey very quickly. If you're in South Jersey, there are no truck lanes. If you don't know what those are, be blessed. You don't have to know what those are. If you're in North Jersey, you're going to see smokestacks and foundries and all sorts of factories everywhere. In South Jersey, you see trees. Seriously. Not hard. We'll get to more football in a second because that's a story that I don't think we're ever going to live down. Or maybe I'm never going to live it down because I, I don't think it's humanly possible for me in my life to have that happen. We'll start with basketball because this, while it was an unplanned podcast, there's a lot of news going on. And we talked in the last show that Maryland could be thinking about some 2019 recruits irrespective of what happening with Bruno Fernando and Anthony Cowan and uh, yeah turns out it happened right after we podcasted who knew yeah so Hakeem Hart committed on Thursday afternoon uh, Maryland had been kind of after him for a while they had kind of moved on from Lester Quinones who in an alternate universe actually joins Maryland mid-season this past year but wasn't quite ready to do that. And then just over the course of the recruiting process, kind of, um, you know, found other schools. I think he's leaning Memphis right now, but whatever the case, uh, Hakeem Hart is an AAU teammate of Dante Scott, another 2019 kid. He's Philly native. He was the Philly Catholic league player of the year, led his team to the state title. He is a high two-star recruit, which isn't like, it just doesn't jump out at you. But that's the, it's the kind of guy who, based on his game and you know his numbers and his accolades, that, that rating seems a little low. And if he can be a 
really good role. You know, he'll probably be a shooter off the bench at least right away. Um, and if he can develop into more than that, then Maryland would love it. I believe the school, well, he plays for an AAU team that has a lot of connections to Under Armour, obviously. Which yeah. is the same thing with Dante Scott. So you can't really be surprised when the Under Armour school is coming after you. But it didn't come out of nowhere. We, we did expect them to do something. I don't think necessarily expect it to come out to here. But, yeah, you can take a flyer on a player. Why not? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think Maryland's success rate on guys with this rating isn't great. Um, they haven't had, like, a two-star kid develop into a really solid player for a very long time. I don't think it's happened under Turgeon, but at the same time, like they don't, they don't need a four star for what they need Hakeem Hart to be. Um, you know, they are, they're returning a lot. They're returning probably Cowan, although his name is still in the draft. Um, and definitely Ayala, Morcel, Aaron Wiggins and Sorrell Smith. And just out of that group, you know, they'll, they'll eat up a lot of the backcourt minutes. Um, the front court and the wing look pretty well populated. And so Hart, what, what they'll need him to be is a, a sharpshooter off the bench. Just that's what that's what you need. Um, it, it, you know, it ended up being a good fit for him. He'll be reunited with one of his AU teammates, one of his close friends, um, Give in, in, in a position where I think he can, A, contribute right away, and B, have a chance to develop uh, probably better than Trace Ramsey, who was um, – we can just talk about that now, I guess. Gone but not but, forgotten. Or maybe yeah, Trace Ramsey. Because I thought he came in in a game where he didn't actually come into a game. Yeah, I forgot about that uh, that part of the podcast. But yep. Um, you, you, Thomas, you, you've he, been on this show for how long? Like four years now. You should know that there are running jokes on this show, and if there is a running joke, certainly I'm going to remember it. But also a running joke at my own expense. Ah, uh, yes. Um, not special. I don't know. And and kind of and kind of mine too, because I went along with it. I was like, huh, I must have missed it. And then we were my, like 20 minutes later. Yeah, we figured out like, whoa, wait a second. Um, yeah. So Trace Not Ramsey, he was on the show. He was just an interesting case. He was he was supposed to be sort of a project. Um, he came to Maryland as he was unrated when he committed. He ended up as a th- as a low three star recruit. Uh, he was this six seven sort of wing, um, really really skinny, really lanky, but you know had some game, but didn't develop a ton. I guess in his freshman year, um, he played ten minutes the whole season. Appeared in five games, scored one point. Um, it wasn't it wasn't much. And so with with the current scholarship situation, I think both sides realized it would probably be best if if he moved on. Um, you obviously saw right away what Maryland did with that open scholarship. And, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. I, apparently, uh, Creighton has, has reached out, and I think Mercer as well. So he'll probably end up somewhere in Division I. Um, and depending on whether 10 minutes is enough to count for a red shirt, he could have I mean, let's be realistic three, here. four years of eligibility, whether, whether or not he sits out, whatever the case. Let's be realistic here. 10 minutes out of a season of 30-plus games, that should be a red shirt. 
It should be. I, I don't know for certain whether or not it is, but it absolutely should be. I mean, the football, you can play four games before you're redshirted now. That was very new, and I, I really, really liked that rule. I think most players and coaches like that rule. Um, we should have a basketball rule. I mean, at least like, I mean, if that's a third of the season of football, football's different, but maybe like two games, you know, a certain amount of minutes, like 50 minutes maybe over a 30-game season. I think that seems reasonable, maybe even 100 minutes. Maybe that might be too much, but... Yeah, I like that, because there's one where, like, Kansas burned a guy's red shirt halfway through the season, but he became a really instrumental part of their team after so many of their guys left or got hurt. Uh, but Duke, when Zion got hurt, they burned this, like, four-star kid's red shirt in February, and he hardly ever played. And it's, so... It's, it's dumb, and it needs to change. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you have those, you know, those scholarships used up, I think if if a guy needs to get into a game to develop at some point, I think, yeah, it, it should totally be an option um, past a certain limit. I don't know what the limit should be, but we can talk about that down the road. 50 to 100 minutes, maybe? 70 yeah, like, I, I like that loosely. I, I would have to look more into, like, how much that actually is. I mean, spitballing, but, like, 75 minutes in college basketball is less than two games. Yeah, I mean, and if you, you get... play if you play the equivalent of a walk-on. Yeah. It's it's a little tough. 10 minutes is definitely like red shirtable, but whatever the case may be. So <clears> the scholarship <throat> situation, I mean Ramsey's in, Hart, uh, Ramsey's out, Hart's in. That doesn't change what's happening with Fernando and Cowan. We still think Fernando's going to leave. We still think Cowan's going to come back. There's no news on that front yet, although Kyle Guy staying in the NBA draft. And is Anthony Cowan a better prospect than Kyle Guy? Who the hell knows? But the draft thing is weird this year. So they could still have an open scholarship spot. I don't know what they plan on doing with that if it comes available because they might not know until the tail end that it would be available. So what what are the plans now for Mark Turgeon and company as uh, we head for about a month away until draft eligibility ends? So I think the... Uh, focus has actually shifted toward uh, this 7-3 center named Chol Mariel. He is from Arizona. He was an elite prospect, but then battled injuries and had some eligibility concerns. Um, so he would be sort of like Maryland would be taking a flyer on him. Um, like a Josh Tamayich, basically. Not with, with 10 times the upside. With 10 times the basically. upside, but still kind of a Josh Tamayich type. Yeah. Guy the seven three guy, the seven three guy, and so, um, I don't know how serious that is. I don't, I don't know, you know, he could be visiting soon, but we'll see. I don't know what sort of. I'd be surprised to see him commit really soon, just because at the moment Fernando's still up in the air, even though we're all pretty sure he's leaving. Um, but that that would not be the worst use of uh, one more scholarship. But that's what Maryland wanted to do. I think that would make some sense. Now we could also start to think about who they're playing in the upcoming season. The conference opponents were released. Isn't that fun? That's always a fun little day because, like, you don't get the schedule, but you know which teams you'll see. And by this point, all of the way-too-early rankings are out, and so you'll be like, this team should be good. Um, Maryland, I think, has a reasonably favorable uh, home in a way, like, just slate. We'll see if it gets sort of um, loaded in a particular way. That's kind of disadvantageous. But mm -hmm. getting Michigan State twice 
will be interesting. Uh, oh, but the Michigan State getting... home game is going to be the everything game next year. Oh, absolutely. And and even uh, well, the Michigan game is a little less interesting now than it um, could have been. Well, because Jordan be, Poole's but... staying in the draft. Uh, Charles Matthews is staying in the draft. Iggy Brasdakis could be staying in the draft. But, like, Michigan's always going to be good. Just I mean, they have John B. Line, I mean, they'll be good. They get to go to our favorite place, Indiana. But, I mean, otherwise, you look at it, you're like, that's not too terrible. No, I mean, just based on who was good this year, it's definitely a favorable schedule. I mean, um, what's the worst road game other than Michigan State? I can't see any others that you're like, oh, wow, that stinks. I mean, the only place that Maryland hasn't won at in the Big Ten yet is Assembly Hall. So you have to go to Indiana. Yeah. But that's the only other one that I could think of right now because the rest of them are like, you know, Ohio State, blah, Rutgers, blah, Minnesota. Ohio State blah. could be sneaky good. Ohio State's bringing in a bunch of blue chippers and We don't know. Returns. We it's in April, but. Yeah, so in the way too early rankings, Ohio State's been like kind of a kind of a sexy team to just throw randomly high. Like a couple people had them top 10. I don't think they're a top 10 team, but, but they'll be gets good. them at home too. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be an interesting. They get all sure. of the difficultish looking opponents at home this year. And there's no game in Madison square garden. Yeah. That, that part is better. Yes. So the other things that we can mention is they looks like they're going to be playing Rhode Island as a home non-conference game, which is, you know, as mid majors go, it's pretty good. They're not the Rhode Island that won games in the tournament with Dan Hurley a couple years ago, but that's not a bad home non-conference game to have. We already know, as you said, they're going to go to the road to Seton Hall to complete that home-and-home. Home. They've got the Advocare tournament, which is at Disney World, around Thanksgiving. And they 24-7 says they've got the Big Ten ACC Challenge at home, but they just had that at home, so I'm still thinking that's going to be on the road. It would be a scheduling that. quirk to have it at home, but like I wouldn't be stunned. I know uh, the women's team was on the road two years in a row, so they don't always go strict home-and-home home for that. But they play a real team whatever the case. from the Big Ten from the ACC this year. Like, I mean, Virginia was fine. I mean, no one complained about that. Could they play like NC State or something instead of Pitt or Syracuse, please? I think with Maryland getting a decent amount of preseason hype, I'd, I honestly would expect – one of the marquee teams from the league. But it ain't going to be one. I know. It should be. I know it, it won't, won't be happen. that. But, but what it, if it did? Oh, you'd have to shut College Park down for a week before the game. Yeah. The Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt would be at the game. You knew it would happen, but it won't. Maybe North Carolina, but I mean, NC State's probably not a terrible team to have come, regardless of that. So that's all of the basketball fun that we can mention. Now we move on to football. We mentioned on the show last week that there was a player that we thought was about to commit, and they did, 10 minutes after we stopped recording, because of course. Yeah, so, I mean, that player was Devin King. He is a corner from California, which it, it's been really interesting just to see how this has uh, come about, because they got another commit over the weekend from a 6'6", 270-pound lineman from St. Francis. Uh, named Ja'Kai Green, so that's now three uh, DMV commits, one from St. Francis, one from DeMatha, and one from Potomac. I believe, so just, two... to inter- just not to interrupt, but I believe that's their first commit from St. Francis in, like, I don't know, years. No, uh, Jalen Duncan, who was in the mix to be starting left tackle this year, 
was actually the highest rated Maryland commit in the 2018 cycle. Um, so, but other than that, I mean, they haven't had a, other than him, they haven't had a recruit of note from St. Francis in a while. Uh, Biamad Miller was also from St. Francis, but he was kind of a low three star. hasn't commit, hasn't really contributed much, but um, he's battled injuries on the defensive line. So, of all the schools, though, that's the one where I think that's a, that's a school where definitely there are there's a lot of um, ground that can be made up, and that with Loxley coming in, it looks like it has a serious chance to be made up. And getting a commitment this early in the cycle, and having that kid be able to then, you know, try and sell a lot of his teammates on Maryland, that'll help. Mm-hmm. So, what do we know about these players? Yeah, so so Devin King. I mean, I think the most interesting thing is just that he's from California because Maryland doesn't get kids from there uh, that often. I mean, it's you know it's a it's a while away from being able to see just how these guys develop over the next year and where they'll fit into uh, Maryland's plans. But anytime you can get a guy with you know lineman size at this age, you know he'll he'll continue to grow and he'll be a Big Ten sized offensive lineman by the time he shows up, which isn't often the case. That's good news because, you know, it's still the Big Ten. And even though Maryland got a lot of great offensive line recruits in recent years, didn't really end up changing the result all that much, sadly. Yeah. And all, and, and all these kids are like mid to low three stars currently, but Maryland has hit on a lot of those um, in the last couple of years. And I that I don't think this has any sort of meaning that the four and probably not five, but the four stars aren't they they could be on their way soonish. I think you would expect that because there's a long way to go. Maryland only has four commits, and this class at the DMV though is still incredibly deep. Now the number one overall recruit, Brian Breeze, who was compared to a Dominican Sue. Um, I would hold off on that if I was the people doing that, but uh, he from uh, Damascus went to Clemson because of course. At least it's not Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, very – Ohio State and Penn State were very much in the mix for him. So I think – and, I mean, he's a kid – we might have talked about this on the podcast. I've definitely talked about it a lot with uh, with Jerry Goldstein. It's just Brian Brisey always really, really liked Maryland. Maryland was his first offer. Um, I think that was even, like, when Edsel was still around. <laughs> but – and that just tells you how, how long these recruiting cycles are because it feels like so long ago. Um, but he was all he, he he was just too good for Maryland. And Clemson Clemson's a good place to go. He'll he'll be fine. Um it's not defensive line defensive line university at yeah. this point. They could have four first rounders. And, oh, again, there's no doubt about that, but I I'm focusing on the it's not the Big Ten portion of the program. Yeah, I mean for Maryland, like it you know, it could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. Well, they weren't no, getting no, no. them, so good thing that there, you know, other schools in the division didn't. Well, the ironic thing is he could have still gone to Alabama, which would have been, which would have been funny. It would have. I mean, Loxley, I don't think would have had a. He would have had something to do with the recruiting, but if he went to Alabama, he would have gone. Oh, well, that's odd. I mean, it's still Alabama, but you know, the DMB guy's not there anymore. Uh, but that's still one out of about like what 20 good players in the DMV that haven't committed yet. And Maryland's probably going to be in on as much of them as humanly possible. Yeah. This so is we'll long, see how it, we'll see how it unfolds. This is going to be a long recruiting cycle and there's going to be news that comes out all the time. But, uh, 
just because that didn't go the way that, you know, Maryland fans in some alternate universe in which Maryland can get prospects like that that aren't named Stefan Diggs um, <laughs> can happen, there's still a long way to go. And I would assume a couple of the really good recruits are going to end up coming to Maryland, but just you don't know at this point. Uh, speaking of actual football-related things, uh, the spring game is Saturday. Can't believe it's already here. Uh, they've announced the format of the spring game. Uh, what are we looking for? Because this is like half the Maryland roster that's going to be at this spring game because a lot of the players that Loxley has brought in are not part of the program yet. Yeah, so it, it is going to be tricky, um, especially like it. Tyrell Pickram should be playing. Uh, he was actually held out of practice on Tuesday for just sort of precautionary reasons. Um, so, you know, it's, it'll be especially important to get out of spring the spring game just as healthy as possible because Maryland has had some injuries this spring and they just don't have the depth yet because none of the recruits are enrolled early and, you know, two of the impact transfers, including Josh Jackson, the quarterback, aren't on campus. So, you know, I mean, the it, it's a pretty normal uh, spring game format. Maryland the last few years has done a few different things. Um, under Durkin, I think they did – Offense, defense a couple times. I think they did first string, second string a couple times. Um, what they'll be doing this year is they'll be they'll find a way to sort of split the teams, and then from there they like draft the rest of the teams, and then they draft. I think it's the players drafting coaches somehow, which will be interesting. No um, media members is a part of this, though. Unfortunately, unlike we see at other schools. I mean, you could you could write me in. I, I would be thinking about it. I mean, it would be fun. Can you imagine some of the Maryland, the folks that cover Maryland sports, having to be, like, on the coaching staff during the spring game? How awesome would that be? I mean, I know that uh, Don Marcus, his play would just be to give the ball to Anthony McFarland. He, he, has, <laughs> he, said, probably he has just said his whole time, like, that's that would be my, my play. Hey, you know what? Simple but effective. Yeah, pretty effective. You can't complain about that, but... That's the end of spring. Is there anything else from spring practice? I've been reading some notes from it. I, I don't think there's a ton we can glean from that at the moment, but. No, I mean, there really isn't much. I mean, everyone, you know, it's because there are no new guys in. It's, or there, there are only like two new guys in really. It, it's hard to glean too much. Um, you know, there's been a, a couple interesting things just about how like, couple guys practicing at slightly different positions like Antoine Brooks going to safety or just how they're splitting up linebackers like Fanage Gauthier with the inside linebackers group uh Keandre Jones with the outside group just little things like that are kind of interesting and you know I've been intrigued by Austin Fontaine who was such a high recruit as a defensive tackle sort of uh flipping over at least for the spring and we'll see what happens there but it sounds like that's gone pretty well so it hasn't been the most eventful spring compared to some others, but nothing really wrong with that. I was about to say there's nothing wrong with that because uh, if there's an eventful spring with Maryland football, that probably means something bad's happening. Yes. I would like to avoid the bad things, at least for the time being, because yeah, it's Maryland football. It could all go wrong at some point. And we did our, we did our quasi-draft preview last week. If you don't want to listen to that show again, Thomas, just quickly – 
Darnell Savage is going to probably be the highest Maryland player taken. That's so. I mean, since Maryland. we recorded, since we recorded, like he's he's risen a lot, and he could go first round now, which I really didn't think was likely, just because there's a lot of really good safeties in this draft. But well, he's really good. He, yeah, I mean, he is. He, he like he just checks all the boxes. I mean, he's made plays, picking off passes, pick you know, making tackles. He's around the ball a ton. He measured well he tested well and he's like a fantastic kid so i mean he just he checks all those boxes um it's been interesting just to see him sort of be a hot name this week uh like you know i've seen him today just projected like 23 25 29 and he'd be the first first rounder for maryland since well dj Moore last year but I mean, beyond that. So he would be the – they haven't had a first-rounder on defense since Sean Merriman in 2005. They've only had two second-rounders since then. Uh, that was Josh Wilson and Sean Davis. Um, and it would be the first time they had back-to-back first-round picks since 05 and 06 with Merriman and Vernon Davis. So it could happen. It's it's not, like, for sure because it's the draft and weird things happen. But he is – uh, stock rising quite a bit right now. The team that I like is pretty good at safety, but I'd still like them to take him because I mean I told a friend of mine who was covering the Senior Bowl, I'm like, you should watch him. He's he's really good. He was one of the most consistent players for Maryland on defense in the last couple of years, and I mean I mean to see again first round picks not bad for the program. I think Seattle now having a second pick at the end of the first round could be yeah, an interesting. You, that fit. seems like a Seahawks pick, doesn't it? It kind of does. I'd be okay with that. I'd be fine with it. I mean, at this point, you know, you you don't, I mean, unless you're talking about the team that I personally root for, I don't really care where most of them go. It's just a matter of seeing them in the best positions to succeed. And, I mean, Seattle for a safety couldn't hurt. No, not at all. So, back into the draft, there are a lot of players that Maryland could have in the 5, 6, 7 high UDFA range. Uh, Trey Watson's in the 4, 5 range, I think, right now. Well, uh, he was he, just great because he could tackle, and every NFL team needs somebody who could just go out there and no nonsense tackle the ball carrier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he's and there's no targeting rule in the NFL, or maybe there <laughs> is now, but it's not quite the targeting rule in college football. I mean, and he's a ball hawk. He had five picks and as a linebacker, that's that's noteworthy. <laughs> I mean, um, as I said, any team would be smart to take a flyer on, and that was one of the great little things that they did last year, and it really stabilize the linebacking group in a, in a way that we didn't think was possible. Yeah. And after that, I mean, who, who really knows with uh, Ty Johnson, Derwin Gray, Damian Prince, Byron Coward, Jesse Annabonum, like all of those guys have outside chances of being drafted. Maybe Coward has the best chance out of that group. Uh, maybe Johnson sneaks into the seventh round, but I think all of those guys are like at the very least, sort of higher priority UDFAs where a couple different teams will be looking at them. And so they'll have a bit of a choice of where they think they can fit. Um, which really, if, if you have options is probably better than being a seventh rounder. This is definitely true. Uh, but I mean, there are going to be some Maryland names called and it's going to be interesting to see where a lot of them go. As I said, I hope they go to a certain team that I personally like because their history with recent Maryland graduates is not bad, but, uh, We'll see. I mean, at least, I mean, perhaps it means I, I stay watching the end of the draft instead of watching Stars Blues on Thursday night. 
well, tomorrow night when you're listening to this. So that seems to be it for Rev Sports. Now we go to the non-revenue stuff. There's a lot to get to. Uh, we'll start with lacrosse because I think that's where we should always start with them being good. Uh, the men played another dramatic game. They won. Yeah. Um, it was – so they Ohio State the week before had come back from five goals down to beat Johns Hopkins, and they turned 6-2 at halftime against Maryland into a 9-8 lead in the final minute. And, you know, as – as a writer slash editor at this point, you've got the story basically written for they kind of collapsed. I didn't have a good headline for it yet, but then I didn't need one because Logan Wisnowskis tied the game uh, with some 30 seconds left. Then they go to overtime. Overtime lacrosse is kind of hell if you're writing a gamer because it can end at any moment. Well, it's like writing it just ends immediately. overtime hockey, basically. Yes, um, which thankfully we don't have to do. Oh, my God, I would die. But well, you might have to do that at some point when you got another job. Maybe I'll know what I'm doing by then. Who knows? Quite possible. Um, but yeah, and so then Jared Bernhardt just did Jared Bernhardt things, got him the win there. Uh, Maryland's in the Big Ten tournament. They're number two in the country behind Penn State right now. Uh, they've got Hopkins in town on Saturday. It's a it's a Maryland Day triple header. Um, spring game at noon. Women's lax also against Hopkins at 4.30. Men's lax against Hopkins at 7.30. Um, it should be a fun day. We'll, um, we'll all kind of be around for it. You'll see a lot of coverage on the site, on, on the social media sphere. Um, it'll be fun. The you know Maryland Day itself always draws a big crowd. I think Maryland's spring game got better crowds when it was on Maryland Day. As and it always honestly should be. It, it just feels about right. Because... Um, the spring game is short and it can be it's probably best at you know at a non-football school to be a part of something a little bigger um so that works mm-hmm. so as you said number one at men's lacrosse penn state Ugh, just saying that i don't feel good eh, it didn't feel great either but we'll live with it until maryland beats them on memorial day lord willing could get a chance in the Big Ten final, too. Which, where is it this year? <laughs> is that Piscataway, Piscataway, New Jersey. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought it was going to be at Penn State. Oh, no. Highpoint.com Stadium. I know. I've been, if you've been there, you and I both have multiple times. Uh, yeah. They're rotating. I've only been now. once. I, 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 I actually like the stadium, but it's not. Like, it's in the super. middle of nothing. I mean, so is Rutgers in general. Uh, well, the Rutgers is seven different campuses that you need to take a bus between. Yes. Uh, if you have not been up there and you hear us making fun of it, this is what life is actually like. For some of us, we thought about going to Rutgers until we, you know, got older and wiser. Or in my case, you had family that went to Rutgers, so you've been there multiple times. And there you go. That That's Rutgers for you in a nutshell. But that's where the Big Ten tournament is. They're rotating the sites now. It's not... How it used to be, I think that the number one seed overall hosted it, but now they're just rotating it between the six schools. I think, or I think, yeah, that's what that, that they, they, it makes more sense. But don't you just like it when the number one seed hosts? I think it's a lot cooler. Yeah, it's not bad. I well, think uh, it would at least guarantee some pretty good crowds, especially because Rutgers probably, um, probably isn't going to be in it. Which I think that's what you that's what you don't want. Yes, is the host to not be a part of it. That is correct. Women still doing what they do. 
still doing what they do. Um, so fun story. This I don't love talking about other podcasts on this podcast, but uh, on on pardon my take, Mel Kiper randomly mentioned watching Maryland women's lacrosse beat Georgetown. Like oh, yeah. really That's apropos of nothing. Yeah, but like it was. Well, we have to have it was just very surprising to hear something from Barstool, but we can have that off the air. Because they were talking about Darnell Savage later in the show. Well, that's I knew fine. That. that that's fine, but still, Kuiper loves Darnell Savage, and well, so that I, I mean, I only listen that to that seems like a Mel Kuiper so, player. Yeah, I mean, Kuiper lives like in Baltimore area, so he's so, well, 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 so his he's high on storage so, like, is somewhere in Baltimore. Is basically what you're telling me. Yes. Like, so Sunday, they put him away in the cryogenic freezer, and then in January, they unlock him, and he talks until we do the cycle over again. He actually does some stuff on the internet if you look for it, but it, it, it's not, like, <laughs> it's not the same the rest of the year. No, it isn't. It's like they locked Joel Lenardi in a cryogenic storage chamber. They unlock it in January. But and... so anyway, so, like, Mel Kuyper just randomly is like, yeah, I was watching this uh, women's lacrosse game, uh... And Maryland was down 8-4 at halftime and won 17-8. So they outscored him 13-0 in the second half. And, like, Mel Kuyper is just so high on Jen Giles. <laughs> and, yeah, no, this was tremendous content. It was, like, I, I, I would – how much would you – like, I, I would pay to read Mel Kuyper's scouting report for Jen Giles. I would pay to read Mel Kuyper's lacrosse scouting reports. But the problem with that is that he and Bill Belichick would just sit there and talk about lacrosse for seven hours. And at a point you just go, like, eh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> But but only this after seven Mel hours. Kuiper I would listen. The second biggest lacrosse fan uh, or college lacrosse fan in all of football behind Bill Belichick. Maybe Chris Hogan. Possibly, but Bill Belichick's still probably bigger. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, that that would just be be fascinating. I don't know if you could talk like he wouldn't be able to talk about hand size as much because it doesn't no, matter nearly as but much. Hand but hand speed, I guess you could be able to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they would have some weird tests, and How we'll be like, ah, yes. Cube? <laughs> that's that's the Wims lacrosse version of the Wonderlick, I guess. I I mean, the Wonderlick is a pile of horses' ridiculousness anyway. I mean, I was gonna say another word there, but this is a family podcast. The Wonderlick is garbage if you haven't figured that out. It's fine. It just doesn't mean anything. Well, then why do we do it? I don't the know. Wonderlick, everything's made up, and the points don't matter. Except the points matter for some reason. I mean, they, they mattered somewhat on whose line, but it was a rare day when that happened. Yeah, they matter to some. At, Significant to some. Some Wonderlick scores become more important than others. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to women's lacrosse, because this has gone off the rails slightly. Yeah, and so... they, they I mean, they were down four goals at halftime, which is weird. Uh, they, but then they had not been thirteen unanswered. So they they won the second half thirteen to nothing, which is just Kathy you don't Reese see a said, team a flip second, a switch girls. quite like that. Kathy Reese goes like, "Wait a second, girls! I know you're better than this." And then they wake up and they score thirteen. Yeah, just just like what Kathy Reese flipped a switch and wall. Terminator mode was activated. What I wouldn't give to be on a fly in the wall in a Kathy Reese halftime speech when they're not playing well and she's just like, "Come on, seriously." Yeah, that's, I mean, whatever it was worked. <laughs> that's, so, I mean, what are they? No, they've got to be number one in the Big Ten tournament, which also is coming very shortly. Yeah, and still hilariously number two in the country. 
Although, like, it kind of makes sense, but still. I mean, the, um, the, I mean, at least it makes sense here because BC is kind of really good. BC is so good. Well, and el- and eliminated Maryland last year. And, and yes, but after Maryland beat them so in the much. national title game the year before. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I just it seems very destined. very much want to see that. It seems I, destined I so that they're it. gonna play each other again. I so want to see that. Which is um, gonna be high level. We need Mel Kiper to. Be on the color. Oh, I need Mel Kiper. Oh, hell yeah. I need Mel Kiper on color for Maryland Boston College in the national championship game. Yes, please. Uh, I, uh, you know what? I would watch it normally because, you know, we're, we're Maryland fans and we do that. And women's lacrosse is one of the sports that Maryland's always good at. But, I mean, I think more people would watch that if Mel Kiper was on color for that game. Absolutely. Or, or, could, or could we do like a mega cast? Yes. We're like, yes. Or on a second channel. We could have Frank Caliendo impersonating Mel Kiper on the broadcast. But with actual Mel Kuyper. But with that actual Mel Kuyper. So you have dueling Mel Kuypers. It would be amazing. Oh, yes. Geez. So they end the season against Hopkins, obviously. I don't know where the tournament is. Where is the tournament this year? It is at uh, Johns Hopkins in uh, in Baltimore. So it won't be much of a uh, travel for uh, for Maryland. Is it top four and, make the tournament in the women? Yeah, I think I think it still is. Okay. Um, I think there might be a there's a seventh team because Northwestern doesn't have a men's program. Um, but yeah, the, I don't think Hopkins is actually going to be in that field. Interestingly enough, so Maryland's kind of going to be the home team. Well, by, they always are by default. It's in the state of Maryland, so that's yeah, fair. They both play Hopkins on Saturday. We hope you both go to those games because they're great, and beating Hopkins is always fun. Now, other non-revenue sports, not as fun yeah i mean baseball and softball lost weekend series baseball got uh back in the wing column with um a win over vcu who is 28 and 13 this year and has lost three times to maryland oh that seems like that to be a problem it's interesting like college baseball records by themselves it's it's kind of hard to make sense of some of the time as I proved when I've covered a D3 team that's at 500 but has a really good conference record and the conference in D3 is like one of the better conferences in all D3 baseball. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of weird things going on in college baseball. Um, but yeah, so Maryland is kind of fighting for one of the eight spots in the Big Ten tournament. It's 6-6 six and six so far. Uh, it's at Penn State this weekend. Penn State's bottom of the conference. Hey, Penn State's not good at something. Yeah. How about it? I'll take that. Uh, Softball did lose two out of three to Penn State at home, which was not what they planned. Um, They just had too many errors and stuff. And then softball blew two different games um, of a doubleheader against Rutgers on Tuesday. So that's also very unfortunate. Yeah. So softball is four and thirteen in the Big Ten, which should still be enough to be at the back of the Big Ten tournament. But um, yeah, it's it's not much. Well, wait a minute. Well, the top of the Big Ten is insane at softball, but even then. Well, it's 12 teams. I, I know. It, it's still odd, but whatever the case may be. Uh, and then wrestling hired a new coach. So wrestling expert over here. We have a wrestling coach. Now, I would not accept being called a wrestling expert, You're but I can tell you about this guy. I can tell you about the guy. Uh, his name is Alex Clemson. He's really? not. He's not from Clemson. Uh, it's not spelled the same way. He has never coached at Clemson. Okay, just checking. Uh, it is C-L-E-M-S-E-N. Uh-huh. Um, he was the associate head coach at Missouri, which is 
one of the top programs in the country the last few years. Uh, they've been, I think they're like 84 and seven in the last five years. They've well, made. I mean, I don't think the S. Does the SEC sponsor wrestling? Re- uh, Missouri's in the MAC and the, in wrestling. Really? In wrestling? Yeah. Yes. I, I didn't know that. I mean, they're I, right after I the didn't know it either. For wrestling, but I didn't know it until like yesterday. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's that's up there with that's up there with Florida being in the Big East for uh, women's lacrosse. Uh, I think also in, in other weird like. Like, if you have a men's soccer program and you're an SEC school, you're in, like, Conference USA, which makes no sense, but... Like, yeah. Maryland played, of course, Kentucky in the Elite Eight in soccer, and they're in the CUSA for men's soccer, because the SEC, where it just means more, does not sponsor men's soccer. How could it just mean more when you don't have a men's soccer conference, SEC? What the hell are you doing? Because the only football that matters to them is okay. Never mind. I've, um, I've you, you know what's going to happen next, so I think we should stop saying that before we get in trouble. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, it's it's a it's a promising hire. He's got really good credentials. He's been successful everywhere he's been. Maryland's a tough job. Maryland is, you know, not only have have has Maryland not won a Big Ten duel in two years, but you know, it's losing its best players, its best wrestlers. Like, not only all American, you know, the All American Yosef Mita, but like Alfred Bannister, Ryan Deal, who've who've made NCAA tournaments as individuals in the past. Like, all of them are gone. None of the guys who've, you know, been at that level are are left. And so the cupboard is bare. The the one good recruit they had uh, decommitted when Kerry McCoy resigned. So he he'll basically be starting from scratch, and you know there's there's a, there are enough resources in Maryland that you could probably um, get them to a decent level in a, a couple of years, but even a decent level is still toward the back of the Big Ten. Well, because the Big so Ten that's going to be that's going to be really hard. Absolutely, in wrestling. Yeah, and we've we've gone over this, um, you know, on the podcast a lot. Like if Maryland. Like, winning a Big Ten match is a fine season for them. Because everybody in the Big Ten is good at wrestling. Yeah, I mean, and the trick is to be more competitive with some of the top teams, which which just involves having a deeper, uh, deeper roster. Like, Maryland got shut out this year multiple times, which is borderline impossible in wrestling. That's losing all ten matches. Well, I don't know. I, I, would, I would not claim to know much about wrestling. I've got to be honest with you. It, it's not easy to get shut out. Uh, I would say that it's like the Big Ten East, then only worse. Yeah, except the whole conference is like that. As if the whole conference is the Big Ten East. And the Big that, Ten West might even be better than the Big Ten East. Well, in this case, yes, but you know well, how it's we, close. Yeah, of course. Uh, anything else that we need to mention? I think we've covered it all. Yeah, I mean that—that's pretty much it. Uh, soccer is also playing on Saturday, yeah. but that's a, that's over at Ludwig. Yes, um, and it's because the schedule uh, for college soccer is horrendously terrible, and the NCAA doesn't give a crap, and they won't change it. So, I mean, if you've ever talked to Sasha about that, he'll tell you the same thing. And surprisingly, the NCAA doesn't want to listen to somebody who I think everyone listens to, which is a shame. I could go on for years about how the it's hard to say. It's hard to say surprisingly. 
surprisingly well, no, if you've, ever, if you've ever talked to Sasha for more than like 30 seconds, he'll convince you of just about anything. So again, the NCAA not listening to him is, is a hard thing for me to imagine for the way that I know him. So that's fair. I mean, as I said, Sasha could go on about this for about three years. One day I'd love to do a podcast where we talk about it because college soccer does have value. Uh, it has no value when it's a one season, nothing sport. You know, it needs to be two seasons. It and women's soccer need to be both two seasons. But it'll never happen if the NCAA doesn't give a crap. And they Yeah, don't. I mean, and there, there are a lot of sports that kind of, um, you know, like it doesn't even have to end with the other spring sports. It can be like, cause, you know, gymnastics ends in April, wrestling ends in March. Um, you know, you can, you can find it's, a way to still like, end in May. I mean, it's still, you'd have to start up in March and end in May, but I mean, that's what it should do. But I mean, again, the problem is that they, they, the NCAA doesn't care. That's the first thing you need to do. Uh, and it's a laundry list of things that you need to do in college soccer, including changing a lot of the rules. But again, I've gone on rants about that before. And Sasha's gone on rants about that before. Let's not focus on that here, but obviously they won the national championship and lost a lot of key players. So Sasha's rebuilding, but Sasha could do anything at this point. So yeah, he's got immunity for a while. Well, he's got immunity forever, actually. Yes. Correct. If there is any, I mean, Maryland's got a lot of great coaches uh, and it's because of my bias of the sport, but Sasha's obviously the best. We, 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 they had a poll on the site a little while ago that uh, Kathy Reese did win going away. Well, I'm not surprised but, because I think women's lacrosse is, you know, as good as Maryland is at men's soccer. Women's lacrosse is a sport I think that's going to just resonate more with Maryland fans. Depending on how you, just depending on how you count in longevity, like Sasha was one of the three, five best coaches of any sport in Maryland history. Yeah. Um, and Kathy Reese isn't there yet, but like right now, current body of work. In the last I mean, you could pick. As I so. said, I am more biased towards soccer than lacrosse. It's just who I am. Yeah, I've been, and, and I, I covered I and totally I covered men's that. soccer. So there is yeah. there is the difference. Anyway, we will be back next week when we talk about all of where the Maryland players have been drafted. We'll also have spring game, and who knows, something else could happen to basketball at that point. I would say unlikely, but this this short news podcast ended up being forty seven minutes because, of course, it did. Yep. That's what running jokes do for you. Until we meet again, talk again. Go Tigers.